Welcome to our weekly Catechism class. This lesson is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class and learn the lessons. In today's Catechism class, we're going to ask the question, What is true faith? Lord's Day 7, question 21, What is true faith? The answer we must give is that true faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. As Christians, we use the word faith quite frequently. And yet I suppose many of us find it very difficult to define. A gentleman who lived in County Antrim ran a small construction business and he could never get his head around abstract ideas. One morning after church he came to me totally bewildered. He said, you're talking to us about faith, but I don't even understand what that means. Tell me about things I can see and touch. Talk to me about tarmac and concrete and bricks and mortar. Well, you see, faith is the very bricks and mortar of our Christianity. So we need to talk about it, and we need to try to grasp something of its meaning. In our last Catechism class, we looked at question 20, and we noticed that only such as by true faith are engrafted into him and receive all his benefits are saved. That means that faith is a vital truth. Now, thankfully, we have the scriptures to lay out the doctrine of faith for us, and we have the Catechism to bring it all together in a concise way so that we can understand it. We often hear faith defined very simply, Something like this, faith means forsaking all, I trust him. Now that's quite good as far as it goes, but it's not just good enough. Because it leaves us with questions like, where do we obtain that faith with which we trust him? Do we have it within us? And do we have it within all of us? Or do we have to work it up by means of religious acts or sacraments? or perhaps some stirring music to work up faith within us. And when we do have faith, who or what do we have faith in? It would not be difficult for sinners like us to have a misplaced faith, 
perhaps a faith in something that is totally worthless, something that's perishing. And today, faith in myself seems to be the mantra of the age. The Girl Guide organisation changed their guiding promise. It used to be that the girl would have faith in my God, and that was bad enough. It was syncretistic. But right now it's worse. The promise now reads, I promise to be true to myself. The original promise wasn't Christian, but this new one is actually anti-Christian. Putting faith in yourself, relying on yourself, self-esteem, that's the very antithesis of Christianity. Following yourself and having your faith in yourself is the mantra of the present world, and it's damning souls into a lost eternity. But thankfully, we do have a definition of faith in the New Testament. I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now that passage from Hebrews chapter 11 is the beginning of the great roll call of all the great heroes of faith from the Old Testament recorded in the book of Hebrews. And there's a link connecting each one of them. That link is the fact that each one of them was characterised by their faith in God. No matter what their circumstances were, they completely trusted the Lord. So naturally the writer begins that chapter with a definition of faith. He says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I mark very carefully the words that the author uses here, helping us to understand what faith is. Substance and evidence. Faith is substance and faith is evidence. Now what do we mean when we say that faith is substance? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well the word substance is the Greek hypostasis and it's only used five times in the whole of the New Testament. It could be translated here as assurance or confirmation a title deed, a substance, it's something that you have, it's a possession. We might think of a wealthy person being a man or woman of substance. So what is this substance that we have? What is faith and how do we get it? Well, faith is something that we do not, by our own right, possess. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Look that passage up in your Bible. And Paul argues there that as sinners, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We can do nothing about our lostness, for we are in the ways of this world. We are under its sway. We are dead in our trespasses. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We are in terrible danger of God's wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
But in order to be saved, in order to have Christ dwell within us, we need to have faith to believe. And yet because we are dead sinners, we don't have any natural resource of faith on which to draw. Our situation is utterly hopeless until God steps in. Again, we go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 4. And Paul in the chapter has already described our hopelessness and our lostness, our deadness. And then he says, but God. It's going to be a change happening, a contrast. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Now Paul explains that the faith we need to believe in Christ, to accept God's grace, to know his Son as Redeemer, to have our sins forgiven, is actually given to us by God himself. Faith is God's gift. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 to 9. Read through it. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we need to get this fact established in our minds. Faith is not human ability. Faith is not human works. Faith is not human will. Faith is not a human decision. Faith is God's gift given to God's people. And the interesting thing is when we have this God-given faith, it's a guarantee. It's a down payment of heaven. It is the substance of things hoped for. Knowing that God has given us this faith will assure us that he will complete the work that he has begun in our lives and he will bring us safely home to glory. So faith is substance. It's something we have. It's a hope of the future. It's Christ dwelling within us. But it's also evidence. Let's go back to our catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 21. And we see there that faith is a certain knowledge. The Catechism reads, true faith is a sure knowledge. I see and I grasp and I cling to the truth that is revealed in God's word. And thus I know the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And yet faith is simple trust. The Catechist again says, I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. The Holy Spirit works in me so that when I hear the gospel in the word of God, I respond to that by turning to and trusting Christ. Now the faith that I have to accept that saving message may be very, very small indeed. In fact, Jesus described faith as being like a mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds. And yet even the smallest inkling of faith in Christ is enough for salvation. After all, faith is powerful enough to move mountains if it's just a mustard seed. And it's powerful enough to cling to God for salvation. Ephesians 3 and verse 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
we have a way to God through faith. Faith is a simple trust in God. In fact, faith is the believer's whole experience of God. The believer's true experience of God is the work of the Holy Spirit drawing him to Christ, drawing her to Christ, drawing the sinner away from their sin. The Catechism says thus, rather this faith in the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the work of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins. Catechism again. God has granted forgiveness of sins. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. And behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. So the believer's experience of God is the work of the Holy Spirit in forgiveness of sins to everlasting righteousness and salvation. Again, the catechist reminding us that faith is not just for now, but it is for eternity. The catechism says everlasting righteousness salvation salvation not just for this life alone our god-given faith in christ brings us home to glory where we will be forever secure and rescued from all of our sins dwelling in righteousness in the immediate presence of god romans chapter 5 and verse 1 therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god so the believer's experience of god is the work of the holy spirit in forgiveness of sins to everlasting righteousness and salvation in the free receipt of god's gifts our instructor says, out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. It is God who saves us because of Jesus. And he does it not because of anything attractive or potentially good in us, but out of grace, out of unmerited favour. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24 to 26 is well worth reading here. It says, you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Faith is the believer's experience of God. In the work of the Holy Spirit, in forgiveness of sins, looking forward to everlasting righteousness and salvation, in the free receipt of God's gifts, through hearing the preaching of the gospel. The Catechist says, This faith the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. Romans chapter 10 and 17. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. The preaching and teaching of God's word, faithful biblical exegesis, the setting forth line by line of the precepts of God's word is an indispensable part of Christian work and Christian witness. Even though there may be those in the visible church these days who despise gospel sermons with a call to repentance and faith, Paul says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 down to verse 21. What may seem like foolishness to modern man is actually how sinners hear the call of God upon their lives. It's applied by the Holy Spirit and imparts faith in order to believe. So faith is both a substance and an evidence of the thing believed in. It is believing and trusting in what actually exists and what we can possess. We may not be able to see faith or touch it or handle it, but we can possess the very substance of it through believing in Christ. Biblical faith is the knowledge and experience and possession of things that are to come in glory. So what is this thing called faith? To simply say that it is forsaking all and trusting him won't really do. It's not enough. For as we have seen, we will never forsake this world on our own initiative. It holds far too many attractions which have captivated our dark sinful hearts. And even if it were possible that we could somehow loosen the grip that sin has on us and turn from it, to whom would we turn? Would we turn to Buddha? or Mohammed, or more likely our own self-righteousness. For we can't and do not have the inborn ability to work out the way of salvation to God by ourselves. But thanks be to God, he sees us where we are. And what we could never do, he does for us. He did it for us at the cross. There he sacrificed his own son for us. And when he awakens our hearts and minds and our wills to seek him, he also gives us the faith that we need to understand the way of salvation and to trust him. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and it's the evidence of things not seen. It's a positive down payment of heaven dwelling within us so that we are enabled by the work of God, the Holy Spirit, to trust Christ.